0: You're listening to the Product Podcast from Product School, featuring the best product leaders from Silicon Valley and beyond. If you're an aspiring product manager looking for your first PM role, or an experienced PM looking to level up your skills and advance your career, visit ProductSchool.com to learn about our certifications and how we'll get you there. If you want to build products customers love, you need to spend time connecting with their problems. That's where Dovetail can help. Dovetail enables product managers to identify themes, patterns and insights in their customer interviews, helping them to make better, data-informed decisions about what solutions they should build next. Organizations the world over, like Atlassian, Canva, Nielsen Norman Group, Datadog, GitLab, Sketch, and Deloitte use Dovetail to build better products. Dovetail is free for as long as you need. Sign up at dovetailapp.com. Today we're talking prioritization with Boston Consulting Group product leaders Ayulia Ardomenko-Palma and Christopher Roberts. They will be sharing their favorite methods for prioritizing your features and how to apply them through different stages of the product lifecycle.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to Product School. I am, my name is Chris Roberts. I'm a product manager at BCG and I'm here with Ayulia Artemenko. Today we are going to talk to you about how to prioritize a product backlog. So, product backlogs. Many of you as product managers are product managers, so you know what these are already, but for those of you who are not, uh, they really are just a listing of, here's what we want to put in our release. Um, They are things like new features that you want to develop, new ideas that your team is working on bugs that you guys have found or technical debt. This could be anything from configuring servers uh, to doing more advanced things like making your code faster or different things like that. And as you work on a release and as your product grows, this product backlog will grow quite a bit. Everyone's constantly adding new ideas, you're constantly moving things around, and it's really important to maintain it and maintain it often. Often it will become stale uh, and you will really need to make sure that what your team is developing and what your team is focusing on is in fact actually the right thing. So it's very, very important to constantly maintain it and keep it prioritized. So there's numerous things that can impact a product backlog. Uh, First and foremost is commercial targets. This affects me probably most on a day-to-day basis. And how is what am I developing going to deliver value to clients? Different features will unlock different capabilities and these capabilities will drive commercialization. Perhaps it makes your product better than a competitor's or makes your product stand out more in the marketplace. Perhaps it's the thing that is gonna allow you to sign a certain client or deliver the necessary value to a client in a case team that's going on. And for for non-consulting products it could be you know this is how you affect a certain segment of your market or allow a certain type of user to want to use your product and so very often i'll be thinking about you know what i'd really like to reach a new group of users what are the features that are going to let me do this what features are going to make them want to use my product more and more and what features are going to help me keep selling this product to them again and again and again for many years into the future. The second bucket that can affect things is risk mitigation. So very often there's numerous risks across all factors of your product. and It's important as a product manager to figure out what these risks are and build features into your backlog that can help mitigate these risks. They could be things like security, where you're building things to make sure that your product doesn't get hacked or that your product can work in different geographic areas and affect things like GDPR and other considerations that you have. Perhaps though, there's risks with key accounts. Maybe a certain client is evolving in a certain direction and you as a product owner need to evolve to be able to keep the revenues from that client. Perhaps it's protecting a key account from a tr- from a change in the market. Maybe there's a new type of product or a new type of company. Companies that are posing an, an oncoming threat. And so to be able to mitigate these risks with, your, with the features that you build are all very important. Then there's financial considerations. We've spoken about commercialization targets, which are very important. But you also want to think, how does a certain feature affect you financially? Perhaps it costs, perhaps it will save you time and money. It could make your product easier to maintain. It could make your product easier to deliver. It could make everything efficient overall. And thinking about how certain features in your product uh, can increase revenue beyond simply beyond simply sales revenue is very important here. And it can also help you figure out how you maximize the budget you have and deliver as much as you can with the budget that you have. Related to this are resource considerations as well and how you can build products or how you can prioritize uh, your backlog to be able to account for the resources you have. Maybe you have extra capacity now and that you want to build more into your, to your backlog to account for this excess capacity. Perhaps you have highly skilled or, or certain resources that you know can deliver only certain features and it might be a given time before you have those resources again. So you want to make sure to build, build uh, or to prioritize your backlog to account for those resources lastly there's stakeholders as a product manager you all i'm sure are aware that you have numerous stakeholders so prioritizing the backlog to account for these stakeholders is also important perhaps you prioritize certain stakeholders to make them happy to make them keep wanting to work with you and keep providing value to the products that you build perhaps you're trying to grow stakeholders in a certain direction or grow to to capture a key stakeholder and you want to be able to build features uh, to to be able to do this. So these are just five of the various factors that can influence a backlog. There's many, many others. These are are some common ones. So they're all very important things to think about as you're going ahead and building your products.
2: And the next one I will talk about is actually where do you start? How do you start the prioritization process after you looked into your uh, backlog? And a lot of us could be either new product managers or we just started at this specific company, not as familiar with the product. So this is a a simple steps that helped me as a product manager to decide where do I start and how to leverage this more formalized prioritization framework uh, in my current with my current products. So the first step I would advise everyone is to just evaluate your current backlog. What is the size of it? How many stories, how many different features do you have in the backlog? What is the composition of those stories and features? Is this mostly functional requirements or maybe it is a technical debt, non-functional requirements and architectural requirements that you have? Because that will help you decide how most effectively prioritize these features based on where they're coming from. And also look into what are the sources of this backlog? Is it coming a lot from support directly from customers? various stakeholders, delivery teams, support teams across organization, because that will help you as well um, who to go to with the next, uh, some of the techniques in the prioritization. After you looked into your backlog and you now are very familiar and know where most of your features are coming from, what type of features you have, Next, look into your product itself. Where on the life cycle stage your product is? Is this a new product? Just launched to market? So maybe you do have a very big and uh, it is quite healthy to have a big backlog for new product because you will be getting a lot of feedback and there's a lot of features that maybe some of your competitors have in the market that you also need to develop. Is this a rapidly growing product? Also very similar situation, helps you to have a significant backlog. Or is it a mature product, which maybe has a little bit less of uh, specific functional features, but maybe some non-functional features or more innovative features on the backlog. So in conjunction was kind of understanding where my backlog at, what is the status of my product and how fast is my product developing? That kind of helps you to determine uh, just overall status. Next, uh, evaluate from your organizational perspective. What are the specific goals that they are trying to achieve? Are you trying to move into a new segment market? Are you trying to capture a new addressable market? Are you trying to grow as an organization, sustain your revenue? Because that will help you as well to see which features would be the most important in that prioritization process to your organization. Then you consolidate all of this into a specific list. If you're already using some backlog management tools, that's great. If you don't, try to check out Trello, AHA, or even Excel, um, or just sh- using uh, shared documents is a great tool because from there you will actually start using some of the prioritization methods, which we'll, we'll talk about in the next few slides
1: great so there's many many different ways to prioritize a backlog we're going to talk to you about five of the most common ways starting off with stack ranking which is perhaps the most basic way to prioritize a backlog working our way into moscow then going to kano then taking a different spin on everything with story mapping and weighted scoring so stack ranking probably all of you do this uh in some way shape or form in your day-to-day but it's really just creating a single list of features and things that need to be accomplished with the most urgent at the top and the least urgent at the bottom. When your development team goes through and starts building these, they take the first thing off the top of the pile, go through, build it, test it, implement it, and then move it to the done pile. When this is complete, they then take the next item and so forth until everything in the list is complete. So it's very, very beneficial in that it's as easy of a way to manage your backlog as possible. It's also a good starting point for people who aren't very comfortable managing the backlog yet. It's very basic. You have one list. It's very easy to maintain. The other advantage to this is that helps avoid priority creep. You know what the most important things are and they're at the top and you know what the least important things are which are at the bottom. Very often you'll run into all of your stakeholders and yourself saying you know what everything is very urgent therefore everything gets the top priority which is not sustainable for managing a backlog. Some pitfalls though is that is heavily biased towards the towards the, the maintainer of the list, which is very often you. So it's important to keep your objective hat to think through what is the most, uh, you know, what are the actual highest priority items, not just the items that I want myself personally. And it's also difficult to, to kind of reprioritize this list based on the changing needs and requirements of your product. The next one is the Moscow method, and this is probably one of the most common ones used by product managers to maintain their backlog. Moscow stands for must have, should have could have or would have. So the must have items are the ones that are the features that are required for your MVP. Without any of these, your MVP will will not get the passing check mark and you absolutely need to deliver on all of these. Next up is the should have. These are the features that, that are very critical for the release. Eventually you're going to need them and ideally you would have them tomorrow. The could-have items are the items that can wait. There are features that are very nice to have. They can be done if there's time with a few tweaks, but they're not critical to the product or the future success of the product. Lastly, there's the won't-haves. And these are a lot of often very great ideas, but for any number of reasons, the items that you're probably not going to get to. They end up living in a parking lot for a while. Sometimes they move their way up to must-have, should-have, or could-have items. Very often they just get chopped from the list uh, to make way for higher priority items. So the Moscow method is great in that is very again very straightforward and easy. There are four buckets of items, uh, and everything is broken down quite easily into these categories. It also helps determine the scope of the release. You know from from the from the estimation exercises how long it will take to develop all of these items. You know what is clearly going into your release, and you'll know how much time it will take to deliver your release. It also lets you work with the capacity that you have and be able to make sure the proper timelines are put in place. The problem, though, is that it is very subjective and like I mentioned in the stack ranking, everything very often gets pushed towards the must-have category. So be prepared to do a few exercises, reprioritizing some of the must-haves into should-haves and could-haves.
0: Product managers spend a lot of time talking to customers. Dovetail helps turn those conversations into better product decisions. With a highly accurate transcription engine and a suite of powerful analysis tools, thousands of product managers use Dovetail to make better data-informed decisions about what solutions they should build next. Organizations the world over, like Atlassian, Canva, Nielsen Norman Group, Datadog, GitLab, Sketch, and Deloitte use Dovetail to gain a greater understanding of their customers and build better products. Try now for free at dovetailapp.com.
2: Next, we'll talk about Canna Model. Canna Model focuses priority on user-centric features. This is a great approach to use when you're working with a new product. So you have a very significant backlog of features and you need quickly understand where these features stand, which are the most important one, which are the least important, how to focus your priority. With Canon Model, you would start by actually doing some customer research, and that can be done by actually pulling and asking your customers through a survey as an example to rank features based on what they allow, what is surprising them, what they just like, and what are the kind of expected features that that they don't really care about. or you can also leverage different idea forums or sources of customer feedback that you already have within your organization as an input to that research. So, once you have the insights, how do customers feel about the specific features and how do they rank them? You kind of segment these features based into the three different uh, clusters and categories. Basic needs so, basic needs would be something that the customers do not really um, care that much about. These are basic functionalities, something that everyone is taking for granted. Uh, an example would be if you are as an example using instagram right adding a photo or being able to take a photo that's a basic functionality you just need to have it but you wouldn't just buy a product to have that specific feature second category in the second cluster would be the satisfiers these are core for product functionalities that um kind of define the uh, user experience um, of the customer throughout the product. Satisfier feature could be something like filters when you're using Instagram or Facebook or any other app, right? So filters really create and shape the experience that you have, but it's also something that your competitors might already have in the market. It is not basic feature just yet because there's some innovation in each uh, type of that, that filter that you use. And then the third category would be something that the customers absolutely delighted about. That's something that makes or breaks their experience. Something they did not expect to have, did not request, but were surprised by having it. That really kind of uh, fascinated their uh, experience with the product. Which could be, as an example, stories when they were launched. Right, that was something the customer did not ask for, but uh, were intrigued to use, and it really created the experience of uh, uh, interesting kind of exploration for the customers. So. The, all of these categories will help you quickly understand where does each specific product feature stands in the backlog. Uh, the benefits of this method the, using Kanban is that it helps you quickly get there, right? So you're not only uh, segmenting the features into backlog and in order of the priorities, but you're also understanding what is really important for your customers. So you are being very user centric and you're giving the voice to your customers in this case. It also helps you identify some of the opportunity gaps. Maybe something wasn't really on your radar, but customers are marketing it. This is super important for them. So it gives you kind of a good understanding, uh, maybe some of the features you didn't initially saw or your hypothesis were not as strong against developing. But there are pitfalls to this method and some of the examples that I brought up show you how uh, it doesn't really account for the time, right? So Stories, as an example, maybe was a Delighter feature when it was initially launched, but it is not a delighted feature now because a lot of applications like Snapchat and Facebook are using uh, the same, uh, similar methodology, so it kind of becomes more like satisfier. And essentially, when there's something new comes up, it will become a basic need. So you really need to make sure that if you are using HANA model, you are taking into consideration the time impact, so you are actually consistently reevaluating the features. And also another thing to consider is because it's an input from individual customers, it might be difficult to consolidate if there are conflicting opinions about certain features. Some people might consider that basic. Some people might consider that a lighter based on individual customers. So uh, I would advise you to actually segment the data that you receive from customers based on different audience types or maybe uh, different user personas that you have. That will help you kind of make it a little bit more objective and um, finalize the final numbers.
1: Great. Next up is story mapping. And story mapping is a little different way to prioritize your backlog. Story mapping is all about helping, especially during an MVP, walk through all of the phases of a of, of project. So very clearly here an example, you have getting up in the morning. So you get up, you get ready, and then you go to work very clear steps along a process that can then have all of the features split out underneath them and have everything involved with getting up actually be broken down to turning off the alarm clock snoozing getting dressed uh, and taking you know getting getting your outfit ready for the day and so these are very this is a very useful approach and when you actually are trying to figure out what is the user journey that i'm looking into and how do i want to build the stories associated to it so one of the biggest strengths of this is it makes it very easy to work with non-technical stakeholders. They get it. They look at what stories are happening and they get the stories that are associated with them. It's much harder to do this with something like a Moscow method or, or a stock ranking uh, where it becomes where things become a little camouflage and less clear. Uh, it also very clearly communicates the product goals and the vision, uh, and, and it lets you take something that you can communicate with everyone around you to say, hey, here's what I'm building, and it lets them quickly and easily understand it. Some pitfalls, though, is that's a very user-focused approach. So very often, a lot of things get... Kind of ignored uh, or forgotten like technical debt uh, that you have to do or how complex some of these things are in relation to other things uh, and the other thing is if there's rework that's required uh, it can lead to a little bit of ambiguity and a little bit of pain points as you kind of move things around and figure out how to best do things
2: Next next method we will focus your attention on is weighted scoring. And weighted scoring, it quantifies business value of a, of each feature in your backlog. Mm-hmm. In my personal experience, I actually combined weighted scoring with Kano Model. So at first I did the segmentation through Kano Model, kind of understood what are my delighters, what are my performers. And then because I worked with a newer product, Uh, I just created a backlog of a lot of different features. So I still need a bit more help to decide which features to work on the next release or the release after that. So I use weighted scoring to determine that. In weighted scoring, what you do is you pull all your uh, features into one specific list, and then you determine a criteria. How are you going to evaluate these features? Some of the common criteria that I would recommend using is impact on the revenue, perceived customer value, uh, could be also some strategic value to your company. And then the second uh, portion of it, you will look from the uh, implementation perspective. So what's the difficulty of implementation or implementation efforts? What are the risks associated with it, and the cost that is associated with implementing the feature? You can pick a, a simple ranking, could be from one to five, five being the most uh, important or the highest value, and then you score each of the features in each of the uh, categories. So five on customer value, but maybe from revenue perspective, it would only be a three. Uh, or maybe it is a, a five on the risk uh, and then in the end you consolidate all of these different scores into one weighted score So it kind of gives you a rank to where do you want to start which features your number one rank number two and three and so forth So it gives you kind of a very clear guided plan to where you want to uh, start with implementation uh, so this method if used correctly it really gives you that kind of um, quantitative way of understanding where uh, the most important features are in your backlog, gives you uh, estimated value so you can track the success. You, you said this is going to be a very high revenue impact once you implemented the feature. Have you seen that uh, specific revenue impact? Can you really showcase that success kind of based on where, leveraging this method? It can also be used to create strong relationship with your um, stakeholders because it is a transparent method. If someone is asking you why is this feature not being developed, you can really show them your model and say this feature you know, is very low, it does not provide any significant uh, impact on revenue, it is not something that customers value, it's low on risks, as an example. So this is the reason why it is not prioritized yet, which kind of creates more functional and constructive dialogue with your stakeholders. It can also be a great input into the model as well, if maybe it is a on under risk, but you didn't consider that. So they will be able to give you that insight and feedback so you can tweak and refine the model. So some of the pitfalls is that the impact is still an estimate. So like I just mentioned, right? Could be that you just estimated that the risk is um, not high, but maybe other experts in your company will consider the risk as higher. So because it is an estimate, it's not a defined uh, objective value. There could be some shifts uh, and it's not 100% accurate. Uh, and also it can be skewed, right? Because we are people and we kind of tend to, once you know how the mechanism of uh, this algorithm works, uh, you might be able to just kind of uh, shift this numbers a little bit so definitely make sure that uh, you run it by a couple of different experts in your company to kind of give uh, get an outside perspective so you are fully comfortable that the model that you build is really representing as objective view as possible
1: and that wraps everything up thank you everyone for joining we hope that you at least got a few good takeaways or tips for helping prioritize your product backlogs please reach out and let us know any questions that you have and we look forward to talking to you again soon thank, thank you, you.
0: Thanks for listening to the product podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review us on Apple podcasts, taking the time to write just a few sentences about what you love most about the show will help us improve it and reach even more product people around the world. And when you're done, why not reward yourself with some free product management content and resources over at productschool.com until next time stay product led.